Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan, and today we are going to be joined by Brian Dunseth. Brian Dunseth is someone you might know from the RSL broadcasts, uh, but the reason we have him on today is because he got to know Craig Weibel very well during his time at RSL. He knew him before he was with RSL. He, he's pretty well acquainted with uh, everything about Craig Weibel. And I thought that if anyone could tell us about what kind of person, what kind of talent evaluator the Sounders are picking up in Craig Weibel, I thought Brian Dunseth would be that person. I would highly recommend that uh, you give Brian a follow. He is one of the absolute uh, must follows on MLS Twitter. He's at Brian Dunseth. And with all that said, here is our interview. Welcome back to the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan, joined uh, by a very special guest today, Brian Dunseth, who is here to talk about the Sounders' new, we don't actually know the title yet, but he's Chris Henderson's replacement. We'll call him the sporting director for now, Craig Weibel. Uh, his, he was just announced as, as uh, the newest member of the Sounders. Thanks for joining us, Brian. No, I appreciate the time, man. So, there aren't a lot of people I think that have a better idea of who Craig Weibel is and what makes him so qualified and, and frankly, seemingly so perfect for this position. Uh, just tell us a little bit about, about Craig. Yeah. So backstory. Um, I've known Craig through people that I've, I've grown up with and played with through his time at UW uh, knew him kind of in his pit stops of kind of the early days and in, in the late nineties and two thousands in Major League Soccer, whether that was the LA Galaxy for a cup of coffee or San Jose Earthquakes, obviously the time that he had with the Houston Dynamo and the, um, this, the, the, just the wild amount of success that Dominic Kinnear's side had. And he was a mainstay, although obviously overshadowed. If you talk to Craig about his playing career, uh, he will tell you straight up, super average soccer player in a great little niche of how he was a part of something special. And he could be a hero. He could be a villain. He could be an antagonist. Um, he could be a goal scorer. He could be all of those things. And he was just kind of the perfect fit. And the moment that he retired, the moment that like all of us, the game is taken away and you have to redefine who you are. You have to figure out your next paycheck. Craig decided that coaching was something that he wanted to explore. Moved to University of Michigan, was a part of that. Then uh, met up with Jamie and UW, went back to his roots and was coaching up there. I was calling Pac-12 Network games and seeing him quite frequently. Um, and then that first call came and, and I got that text. Hey, I'm coming to Salt Lake. I'm going to be a part of Jeff Kassar's coaching staff. And he was fantastic. He was great at what he did. And then that kind of all was in that window of Jason Christ leaving to go be a part of what NYCFC was going to become. The whole entire staff minus Jeff Kassar went with them. That's why Craig was a part of this new staff that came in to kind of support Jeff Kassar. Um, and then within that calendar year, that's when Garth Lagerway, uh was at the end of his contract and his time and his relationship with Real Salt Lake and in particular Deloy Hansen, the former owner of the club, uh, it, 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 <laughs> it was done. There, there was nowhere coming. There was no way coming back. Uh, and, and quite frankly, Garth, deserved his opportunity wherever that lied Garth deserved his opportunity to take a step forward because of the tremendous amount of success 
Well, in that timeline, uh, Deloitte Hansen decided to identify Craig Weibel, who he was impressed in his interactions with, to become some version of a general manager. Uh, and this is sink or swim time, right? You got to cannonball into the head offices in New York, figure out all these crazy mechanisms, figure out these salary budgets. I don't call them caps because there's no such thing as a cap in Major League Soccer. <laughs> no, there's not. Um, but figuring out you know, all of these different things. And oh, by the way, trying to make sure that his team's competitive in a time where if you ask Garth, he probably held on to that group of players one year too long to make one more extra run after losing in penalties to sporting Kansas city out in Kansas city. So uh, the great rebuild begins. You start losing kind of your Ned Grabovoy's, your Borchers, your Will Johnson's, your Hamison Alave's, your Javier Morales's, those type of Alvaro Sabarillo's. And you start figuring out what the next look like. Well, that, that was Craig's job. And that also coincided with a USL team in Real Monarchs coming to Rio Tinto Stadium. That also coincides with um, losing two managers at Real Monarchs, bringing in Mike Pecky, and oh, by the way, bringing Casa Grande in Arizona, the academy where the, all the youth was, was, was stationed, I will say, up here to Harriman, which is about 15 minutes south of Sandy, where the stadium is, and building this $80 million facility. Uh, that would house not only the RSL Youth Academy, um, but would also be a STEM school. It would house Real Monarchs. It would house Utah Royals. It would also house Real Salt Lake. Um, so to think about all of these things at play, still trying to be successful on the field, still trying to build what the infrastructure looked like at Real Salt Lake post-mortem of Jason Christ, Garth Logaway, and Bill Manning, who at that time had departed six months after Garth Lagerway to go to Toronto. Um, you can see there was uh, there was quite a lot of work on the table for Craig Weibel and company. Yeah, and and you know, despite all those challenges, there was obviously some opportunities, and he seems to have done pretty well with those opportunities. Uh, RSL made the playoffs, I think, three out of five years that he was the that he was the GM, even though they were not among the top spending teams in the league by <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. You know, you look at the the list of kids that the academy produced while he was there and you know i i counted i mean there was probably five or seven that made their mls debuts with the with rsl and would end up going on to play for either senior or youth national teams but then there's a whole host of other there's a whole bunch of other kids who came out of there that ended up not staying at rsl but who the academy produced you know yeah. that are guys Richard that are Desma, sebastian soto guys like that taylor right. booth yeah yeah, and uh, and and so how much credit does he deserve for you know? Because I think that's one of the things that the Sounders will be looking at him to do is to kind of help create that or smooth out that pipeline from the academy to the first team. Yeah. So again, without trying just trying to throw any shade at any other of the candidates that were interviewed for this position, uh, I believe that Craig is probably the most qualified based on what he's done in Major League Soccer and. I got to be honest with you in kind of the unceremonious departure uh, in which he left Real Salt Lake. Um, I, I was rooting for him, man. I was rooting for him, not only as a friend, I was rooting for him as a professional because I think what he did there, you know, you're talking about it and just to rattle off some names, right? R Richard Ledesma, Sebastian Soto, the Booth brothers. Um, when you think about Brooks Lennon, Bofo Sacedo, uh, let's see, um, you, Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera, 
David Ochoa, David Ochoa right now. Yeah, I mean, this this was all kind of set up for success. And th- there's some hits and there's some misses. But more so, the one thing Craig prided himself on was creating individual relationships around the world. Far too long as MLS kind of subscribed to this one agent fits all. You know, from the beginning of the days in MLS, you'd say, well, I need, I need a center back and I'd like a South American center back. Well, here's your agent in South America. And he's got five guys, four Colombian, one is Argentine. No, well, there's a Paraguayan guy if you're really into it. But, you know, oh, I want an attacker. Well, here's the guy you should go talk to in South America. And Craig didn't like that. Craig wanted to go down face-to-face, meet agents, create this Rolodex. And whether it was in South America or it was in Holland, the way he got Albert Rusnak here to the United States, by the way, in a time where there was a threat that the Slovakian national team wouldn't call him up from the under-21s had he gone to MLS. So you think about all these different things in play, the variations of play. To go get a Nate Monuoha, who was at QPR at the time and came in and was an instant leader in the locker room and something that the club needed, uh, to identifying um, you know, the young, dynamic, attacking players that you know, Real Salt Lake had really been known for over these past couple of years, but shopping in a different aisle, right? Yeah. That's the one thing that Craig, I think, did an incredible job. He was, I joke around, Real Salt Lake's been shopping at Super Walmart while you know, uh, other, other, uh, other clubs are at Neiman Marcus, right? So, I mean... Th- you look at the difference. There, there was no Nico Ladero. There, right. There's, there was no going out five million bucks, five million a year, and you know, re- just to get him inside Seattle is is ten million. Same with Rui Diaz down at Monarcos. It, it's just not reality. So, I think what Craig did is he, by the way, hired Dane Murphy, who was at New York Cosmos at the time, who has now gone on. You think of Daryl DK? Well, that's Dane Murphy because he's at Barnsley right now. Uh, he spent about two years here in Salt Lake as well in conjunction with Craig. He knows how to hire people. He knows how to put people in charge to do their jobs, to be successful. Uh, and more importantly, if you're a Seattle fan, you've got to be excited because he and Garth are really, really close. They have, they were close. They have been close during this time that Craig's been out of a job um, and I just can't think of a better working duo in the league to replace a guy like Chris Henderson, because I think that Craig checks a lot of the boxes and they're going to, they're, they're friends, right? But they work well together. And I think on top of that, they're both strong enough to say, I think you're wrong and I'm going to challenge you on this. And this is why I think you're wrong. And this is why I don't think we should go in this direction. Maybe we should go in this direction. And I think there's a, a mutual respect there to where um, there can be a tremendous amount of success for the Seattle front office. So I don't know how much of this you can say or, or how much uh, you know, but do you know how much of a, of a search actually went on here? Do you get a sense of, of whether Craig was kind of identified early on and it was just like, Oh, it's going to be, we're going to, maybe we'll interview some people, but we're going to hire Craig Weibel. Or was it like, do you think he actually had to go through a a real interview process? No, I I was. And again, I'm not privy to all of the inside information. Um, I had been, even before having kind of gotten anywhere near this point, um, I had been told that, and and no understanding if Craig was involved at all at this point when I heard this conversation, that when Chris did decide to take his opportunity at Inter-Miami, that the search was significant. It was extensive and they were going to make sure that they got the right person and they were going to exhaust all avenues to make sure 
that when they got down to whatever the, the number of finalists that they were at, that they felt comfortable should any direction that they go would be the right choice. So um, again, this was before I'd had any sniff that Craig Weibel's name was connected to Seattle. Do you get a sense of what he's really being tasked with here? And, and like, it, you know, on paper, it looks like, like I said, it was the, it's smoothing out that pathway, but what are like, if you're looking at it from the outside, where do you see a voice like Craig being able to, uh, to, to change things or to push the Sounders maybe to the next level? Yeah. I, I just think it's partnership. I, I think it's a, it's a working partnership that makes everybody better. I think Sean's done an incredible job during his tenure with the club in terms of, of his responsibility in scouting um, and to lose a guy like Chris. And I know, that a lot of the times, and I'm guilty of this, you know, I, I kind of have had always taken a broad stroke and said, man, Adrian and Garth, they're killing it out there in Seattle. And I think it did a huge disservice until it finally dawned on me. It, it does a huge disservice to the job that both Chris and Sean had been doing. Um, and so to have that vacancy, there's not a lot of guys that have the experience. A lot of people that have the experience that Craig has that you get him in the door and God forbid any other changes transpire over the next couple of years. You know, let's be honest. We, we've all heard the whispers about Garth Lagerway, whether that be Chicago or any of the big clubs that have or some US type soccer. of vacant. Yeah, uh, Major League Soccer. I mean, remember forever we were talking about, wow, Chris Klein's going to replace Don Garber someday. And how quickly that talk has kind of cooled off. <laughs> if there was ever a guy that I'm, I'm looking at and saying, who's got kind of this incredible experience in Major League Soccer, it really comes down to, and I love their friendship, but it's Bez Pachenko and Garth Lagerwey, right? The two most successful general managers, arguably in the history of the league, but at least within the timeline of the last six, seven, eight years in Major League Soccer. So I just think with Craig, what it does is it, it reinforces the infrastructure behind the scenes, the day-to-day -day aspects of development and what you're trying to do in terms of that pathway. First team, second team, youth. And I think as we're kind of in this nuclear arms race to spend money and be successful on the backside of a pandemic, oh, by the way, 2026 World Cup hosting in conjunction with Mexico and Canada, literally right around the corner, the amount of monies that are going to be available for domestic clubs in this country is, is going to be outrageous. So incredible fan base, stunning atmosphere, do you want to have your own, you want to have your own field? Do you want it to be just a soccer field? Yeah, absolutely. Does it have to be? No, not, not, not in today's world. Um, but you can't argue with the success. And I, and I think also somebody we haven't talked about is Brian Smetzer. This is going to also give Brian Smetzer a different pathway to talk about what he wants or a different you know, set of eyes to see mm -hmm. what he's seeing at. And I, I think ultimately that makes everyone better. Yeah. It was an interesting thing. Uh, one of the things that Garth said was that he wanted to bring in someone that everyone was familiar with, but yet still brought a new set of eyes that was from outside the organization. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine there weren't a lot of people that ticked that those two boxes. Uh, you know, he, he played for the Sounders, obviously in the, in the USL days, he was a teammate of Sean Henderson. He even played briefly under Brian Schmetzer. Obviously he knows Garth really well. I mean, you could go up and down the organization and it seems like he has familiar, like these are probably people that he has casual conversations with a lot of the times, not just like professional 
yeah. uh, relationships. Yeah. And, uh, and and the fact that he does bring, you know, for the last five years, he's been at another organization. Uh, speaking of which, you know, I, I saw, you know, we've, we've seen reports about this and, and I don't know how much light you can shed on it, but from the sound of it, uh, he was probably having to do a lot of the scouting himself. Like they didn't have, like, it doesn't sound like RSL had like a huge massive team of scouts around well, the world that they were. It was Andy Williams and, right. and, and Bama, um, you know, it's, it's been a tough 12 months at Real Salt Lake, right? I mean, it, obviously, with the pandemic and everything that transpired, you think about even beforehand, Mike Pecky uh, and what happened against Tigres in the League's Cup with the referee. Uh, a two-week suspension turns into a termination. Uh, in the midst of a lawsuit being filed, Craig Weibel gets caught uh, being recorded, having a conversation about Deloitte when that conversation probably should have never been been made public in any way, shape, or form. But this was also kind of the beginning of Deloy Hansen, what's happening behind the scenes. And there's obviously been a lot that's transpired over the years. And I, and I seem to be the only person that gets to go on camera on a daily to <laughs> weekly basis and talk about this when no one else in the club would. Um, again, that's why I refer to Craig's departure as an unceremonious one. Yeah. Um, he has not, he he's, he's not stood by idly and waited. Um, there's some things that he's been involved with and, uh, I don't feel it like it's my place to talk about what he's been involved with, but he, he's still been involved with the game despite not being involved with major league soccer. And I gotta be honest with you. I thought immediately much, much in the manner that, that Bill Manning got his opportunity at Toronto FC after departing, um, Real Salt Lake, I, I thought that Craig was going to be snapped up immediately. And then we kind of got in this weird transition stage of, okay, not domestic American general managers or sporting directors being hired. Now we're seeing Rolodexes of, you know, European, South American experienced either agents or technical directors or former director of sport that were being hired in MLS. And not that it was like the in vogue way, but I mean, if you think about what Cincinnati, Chicago, uh, Charlotte, St. Louis, even San Jose, all of a sudden there's like a, it's a bit of a paradigm switch or well, at least it came at an inopportune time. Also yeah. like last year, I don't, I would imagine last year was a tough year to like be looking for a job in soccer or any. Yeah. Yeah. Sports. Yeah. Well, what, and once you missed, once you missed the start of preseason, no one right. was really, th- then it was basically you're, you're at least waiting until July, August, September to start having those initial conversations about what position, what potential positions because of failure, is starting to open up. So yeah, I, you know, it was the, the infrastructure Real Salt Lake was actually really good. Andy Williams was fantastic. Bama, a former Jamaican international, former RSL player, the amount of players that he identified and brought to the table for RSL was extraordinary. Um, Dane Murphy, fantastic as well. And then Craig Weibel did a lot of, did a lot of the legwork himself. He spent a lot of time in South America and Europe taking trips to go meet with agents and players and their families face to face because they, they, they didn't want to, they wanted to minimize the missteps because there was only kind of this, this short little gap of a window in terms of monies that they were able to utilize. And that's a risky territory, right? Mm-hmm. Anywhere between, you know, 700 grand and 1.6 million is kind of the median in which they were operating. And that's, 
that's risky. You get some guys that have one great year, but you yeah. get some guys that are a little, little bit of a pain in the ass off the field. You know, you're trying to find the best people. And I think that's one thing that Craig is really good at is, is, is spotting the genuine personality of the player and how that would either affect or what kind of effect that would have on the, on the current state of the locker room. Yeah. You you look at guys, they, in addition to uh Rusnak, they, they brought in Jefferson Severino, who seems yeah. to have, have worked out about as well as you could have really hoped. And Demir Krylock was another one who yep. was uh, uh, like, those seems like the, and that's the, but that's like the price point that you're looking at. And of course you're going to have misses in there because you're, no matter what, you're going to have misses in that price range because that's just like the nature of that price range, right? Or else they're not in that price range. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was kind of a unique dynamic of, you know, trying to decide when to sell players, when to capitalize on, 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 on a player's potential threshold or maximum of what you can get into the club and reinvesting that. And, you know, sometimes you hit a ceiling, sometimes you hit a, a brick wall and you couldn't go any further. So now you know, you, you, you take the training wheels off and, and, and I mean that in the best way, because when you're talking about the team, there's right now, it's, it's really hard to assess how we look back at Deloitte Hansen, because when you're talking about the infrastructure building, you know, everything that's out in Harriman, bringing Utah Royals in, launching them in three months, building a, a million dollar locker room that matches everything that the men had, making sure the women kind of breaking breaking down NWSL to make sure that the women had housing and apartments here in the, something that they, they, they weren't allowed to have in, in other teams and other cities. There's a lot of good that he did behind the scenes, but after everything had transpired, there's a lot of ugly that comes along with that. And so to see Craig operating under different circumstances, um, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued because obviously you know, I know, I know that people get sensitive about quote unquote, the best run organization and Toronto's and Atlanta's and LAFC's and LA galaxies and Portland's, you know, everyone gets their, their hair up, uh, you know, when you say one's better than sporting Kansas state, one's better than the other, or, mm-hmm. Hey man, they're doing it right. And hold on a second. Screw you. I'm doing it right. right. It, it just drives <laughs> me nuts. But see, I'm intrigued to see the working relationship, the financial realm he's now a part of, and then ultimately uh, the amount of success that the club has been having for what the last five, six years is nothing short of extraordinary. So yeah, I, again, I, I think when I heard this news, I, I was like, yep, totally makes sense. I, I can't see why you would go in any direction, any other direction. Yeah. It's uh, and the fact that he's, he's has pretty strong local roots, it seems uh, got to help too, right. Yeah. That he's, yeah. that he's, you know, he grew up in the, in the Pacific Northwest and, and all that, but I, I want to circle back on one thing, and then I'll and I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time you've given us on this. But uh, you know, his departure. I think there's maybe some misconceptions about it because it happened right around when everything blew up with Deloitte. But it wasn't really related to the Deloitte Hansen kind of drama as much as it was the Mike Petkey situation, where he ba- like you you alluded to, he got caught on tape basically saying he wanted to get out of there, essentially, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I would. How's the right way to say this? And I'm not trying to be politically correct. I'm trying to do justice to the situation. I think the relationship had run its course. I think that much like Garth Loggerway, that Craig had, had 
obviously not the same success as Garth, but had had a lot of success in terms of identifying players and, and putting putting a roster together. Uh, oh, by the way, in the midst of replacing like the DNA, the core successful players, the Ramondos, the Beckermans, the the Homisons, the the Borchers, the Grabovoys, the God, Morales. The, yeah, Javi, um, you know, Obama, Clint Mathis, uh, Alvaro Sabarillo, uh, Will Johnson. I mean, all, all those guys, Robbie, mm. Robbie, Robbie Russell, <laughs> you know, Tony Beltran getting injured and his career being over, you know, he, he had, he had a, he had a really, really big challenge on his hands and to launch a real monarchs USL side and find 23 more players and try to figure out the right philosophy. And Oh, by the way, Academy kids and building a brand new facility from like from scratch, like being in all of those meetings and trying to design the facility so that it flows. And it can be one of, in my opinion, one of the crown jewels of training facilities in the United States. And so all of those things, you know, he was up against, and I think he came through with flying colors. I really do. And and the other thing is he's very transparent, very, very similar to Garth, as transparent as he possibly can be about any situation He's going to be front and center in front of the camera. If he's asked to, you know, if he's asked to comment, he was always great coming on camera, kind of giving us a, you know, a, a, what do you call it? Um, not a league address, but like a state of the team type of address mm-hmm. when anything was going wrong. And this was the idea. So, yeah, I, I would say that the time it was a it was a an unceremonious departure but it was a termination of a relationship and a working relationship that I think really did mimic Garth Lagerwey's departure, albeit under completely different circumstances. And he should have been able to finish out the year. Um, but I felt as though it was a preemptive strike with everything else that was surrounding kind of Mike Pecky and trying to protect Deloy Hansen at the time. Yeah, well, that's that's probably a good place to to end this. I really appreciate you coming on, Brian. This is some great insight. I think uh, from the sound of it, we're gonna probably get to know Craig pretty well, and 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 probably like a lot what we get to see. And and I'm excited to see what you know, kind of a new set of eyes can bring to this because uh, you know I, I think the Sounders have a, have a pretty good thing going here, and yeah. it's always great when you can add more talent to that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Excited. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to jump on with you and. Uh... Really intrigued to see how this all plays out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, This is the Sounder Heart Podcast.